What's up, party people, and happy quarantine. As always, it is a damn good day to have a damn good day. And I'm super impressed with all the emerging stories I'm seeing and hearing of people making moves during this time. This entire pandemic event will reshape humanity as we know it, and there will be winners and there will be losers. And the big word here is adversity. You know, things are coming at us at full speed. You know, parents are having to deal with kids running around the house. People don't feel like they have time to themselves. It's really screwing up the whole human flow in your inner chi. But you have to decide to conquer that adversity. Use it somehow, leverage it to make you choose to become a better person. Get that task done that you've been wanting to get done. Use all of these things that are falling apart into your life and make them come together as if it's building up for the next big thing. The people that can do that effectively are going to look back at this time and remember this is the greatest time of their life because they completely reshaped their entire destiny during the pandemic. And I'm super excited for today's guest. Darren Kidd is an absolute animal. I mean, he is a beast when it comes to online marketing, building a business, and his success is incredible. Darren is an entrepreneur who has achieved success in various arenas. He was a top leader and multiple seven-figure earner in the direct sales profession. He built massive teams all around the world and has owned profitable franchises. This includes building online businesses with digital brands and created a vast following on social media. Darren has been featured in various magazines and books, along with being on an advisory council with John Maxwell. Currently, he is a very talented speaker, trainer, and a mentor for others. On this episode we discuss Darren's incredible experience facing an illness that almost literally took the life out of him, how to create a digital brand by leveraging your past experiences, and how to create a life that is more fun and less work. I just really appreciated Darren's energy. He was introduced to me by my friend John Melton and we completely hit it off. It was just one of those encounters that I didn't expect to be completely blown away and let me just tell you, this is a podcast you do not want to miss. As always, you can watch this podcast with Darren and I live on YouTube. And without further ado, episode 89 with Darren Kidd. Let's jump into it. And we're live. Darren Kidd has entered the building. He's here. He's just, he's rock. We were just talking about you rocking the bald hair, which is the play during the coronavirus. How you doing, man? Good, brother. Good morning and good afternoon, depending on when you're watching. But I appreciate the opportunity uh, to, to have a great conversation with you and your audience. And uh, yeah, he let me know that there was going to be videos. Like, hey, just a reminder of this video. So I'll let him know. No worries. Already done my hair. We're good to go. <laughs> well, dude, I'm first of all, I appreciate your time and that you can share with us. I know that you are running around doing a million things at once. You have a, you're interviewing Les Brown right after this podcast. You know, your connections and your resilience and your energy is just always on point. I'm very grateful we got introduced and just learning more and more about your background. It's pretty incredible. You have been through hell and back and you have seen some dark days and have got up every single time. And I'm very grateful that the audience is, is about to hear some crazy stuff. So if everyone that's listening, make sure you guys got a pen and paper out. You got the AirPods deep in the ears, you know, really stick them in there, hit the, hit the medulla and I'm fired up, man. So how did you even get into this whole online world and, and this whole entrepreneurial world? Well, what's interesting is, yeah, my story should inspire and motivate a lot of people because once you hear the, some of the details, you're definitely going to go, man, if Darren Kidd can do it, anyone can do it. And that is the truth. And that's what, uh, that's what drives me is because I know how I felt when I had no hope. And so, Ian, you know, basically at 18, you know, 19 years old, I made it through a year and a half of college. You know, for some reason, they wanted me to show up to class and take these tests and that didn't go very well. <laughs> and, uh, and so I dropped out after about a year and a half. I didn't know what I wanted to do. You know, I didn't have a passion for learning as far as what they wanted me to learn at, at that time. In school, I was like, man, how is this going to help me create a lifestyle that I want for my family? And growing up, our family always struggled with money. We never had money. You know, every conversation, I remember almost every meal was, you know, because my, my parents were self-employed, was how are we going to pay the bills? How are we going to make it? And so I just knew that I wanted a better life for my family and I didn't want to have to stress 
over money every single day of my life. And so I quit, you know, a year and a half, I quit. I got a job as a um, sales rep in the gift and furniture industry, which is also a fascinating story because, you know, I got married at a really young age. My wife and I have five kids, which just for a warning for all of you out there that work from home or during the coronavirus, being quarantined, be careful if you work from home, if you're quarantined, you can have a lot of children. <laughs> we live in the middle of nowhere too in Virginia. Um, but anyway, so here I was in a sales rep in the gift and furniture industry. I couldn't even match my own clothes. So when I would go to a big event, I remember my wife was actually labeling, putting numbers on my clothes, what tie to wear with what. I don't know if I'm part colorblind or what it is, but I just had a terrible time trying to match clothes. But I was going into people's gift shops and furniture stores and telling them what to put in it to make it look nice and pretty and beautiful and attract customers. Isn't that funny? <laughs> That's a pretty cool hustle right there. I've never heard of that before. Yeah, it, it, was, it was fun. But what happened was I would make up in numbers what I lacked in skill. You know, Jim Rohn talked about that. And so what I did, I went out and had the highest increase in sales in the entire Southeast. And once again, it wasn't because I was that good. I was just that determined and my work ethic was, was off the charts. And then what they started doing was cut my territory and started taking my key accounts, you know, cause you know, if you take your territory, let's just make up a number of million dollars and they cut it in half. Now it's two territories for a half a million. Well, now you got to go back, back out and do the exact same thing that you did to build your territory all over again, just to get back to where you were. And I was like, man, that stinks. And before that I worked at a paint warehouse when I was going to college in the beginning of my marriage. And I remember going, you know what, I want to move my way up in this company and, you know, I, I want the founder, the, the owner of the company really liked me. And I'm like, this is my opportunity. And later on, they sold a company for millions of dollars and I got laid off. And so at that point, I'm like, you know what? I want to have my own business. And I went out and started looking at, you know, franchises and different things that I could do. And I found out real quick that you, you know, now later on, I owned some franchises. But back then, I was like, man, I'm, I don't have money for anything. But I was looking at franchises and I was like, you have to be rich to have a franchise. How in the world can you afford this? And at that time, I remember it was the Kenny Rogers Roasters franchise. It was the fastest growing franchise in the U.S. And they didn't last long. Um, but it was hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, to do that. And so fast forward, I ended up, you know, I started trying different home-based businesses, network marketing companies. And so I was getting laid off and then couldn't find a job. And then I failed at network marketing for seven years. And so life was just beating me down. Like every time I would get up, I would get smacked back down. And the lowest point was about 21 years ago when my 21-year-old son was born, where we ended up bankrupt. My car was repossessed. We were on Medicaid when he was born, you know, applying for food stamps. You know, I'm a college dropout. My wife's a college dropout. We live in Appomattox, Virginia, which is a really small town. I think we're up to five traffic lights. You know, and but you know, the Civil War ended in Appomattox, a little historical town. It's a great community, but it's a small area, you know. And so everybody knew I had failed for the last seven years from 18 to 25 years old, and I was depressed. You know, I actually went to the doctor for depression, they put me on depression medicine, and I had no hope. You know, I was like, man, what hope do I have? I can't feed my kids, can't support my wife, can't keep a job, couldn't make it through college, couldn't make these home based businesses work. You know, I'm done, I was depressed. And then thank God some people came into my life that looked at me not as how I was, but how I could be with my God-given potential. And that's when my whole life started to turn around. Does depression medicine actually work? I mean, here, here's, here's the thing. It, it, it helped a little bit, I think, for a while. you know. But then again, after a while, I think the side effects can outweigh even the positive things that it was doing for me. But I think there's some people that maybe have a chemical imbalance, imbalance and you know, they need a little help just to get through that valley. But, you know, for me, the medicine wasn't as, wasn't as important as learning to think the right way. Mm. You know, because I learned that your, your brain and your mind are so powerful. I mean, there's actually documented studies of people that have multiple personality disorders that their belief is so strong when they're another personality, their eye color will change. So when I learned that your brain doesn't know the difference in reality and what you think, you know, you, you can think a thought, visualize a dream, a goal, as if it actually happened, and your body and your brain will produce the same chemicals and endorphins as if it actually did happen. And now they have the science that shows that your brain documents that as an actual memory. So you can actually experience an experience before you ever experience it. 
that's, that, that is just so trippy. And then, <laughs> I, think that, I mean, we don't even know the beginnings of our mind and the people that are tapping into it, people like Dr. Joe Dispenza, you know, and breaking the habit of being yourself an amazing book and, you know, people that are teaching us just how to step into that. I feel like over the next decade, we're just going to get deeper and deeper into the understanding. And a lot of people are realizing how meditation and breath work is really able to help unlock that stuff. When did you first dive into that? Like, do you remember what your mindset was like at 25? You're saying you're broke, you're on, you're in the gutter, you feel like the world's against you, you're on these meds, you're sitting around with the fam, like, all right, guys, we're on these food steps. Like, what was the actual, did, did you act, like have a shift overnight? Or like, how did you get yourself, brain yourself out of that thought process? Well, I remember I was at an event. A <clears throat> um, few things happened. One, there was a big event coming up in Nashville, Tennessee, and I live in Virginia. And I had a mentor of mine that had the lifestyle that I wanted, you know, because I think that's important. You know, if you buy people's opinion, you buy their lifestyle. It's like none of you that are going to watch this interview, if you have video and you're watching this, none of you are going to find a way to contact me afterwards and say, Darren, I've just got to know what are your best hair care tips? <laughs> you're not going to ask me that, right? Because if you buy their opinion, you buy their lifestyle. I don't have any hair. I can't help you with that. But this guy had the lifestyle that I wanted. He had the money. And there's people that I know that have money that are miserable and they have no time freedom. That's not what I wanted. And then there are people who have a whole lot of time freedom but have no money. <laughs> I wanted to have both. Money with no time does us no good. Time with no money does us no good. And I remember him saying, hey, look, there's a big event coming up in Nashville that will change your life. You know, I'll see you there in a week. And, and I'm like, you, you won't see me there. And he's like, why not? I go, they're getting ready to repossess my car. I'm hiding it day to day. And I'm like, I can't afford it. And, and he was silent for a minute. Then he asked, he, re, he got me to repeat that, which made me feel even worse. He goes, what did you just say? I go, I can't afford it. Which by the way, I've learned never to say that. You ask yourself, how can I afford it, right? It's about asking yourself the right questions. And so what happened was I'm like, I can't afford it. And he's like, how long have you been working? And I go, my whole life. And you can't afford to take off 48 to 72 hours, not to go work on your job, but to work on your fortune. Something you're doing is not working. And to get something different, Darren, you got to do something different. You know, the definition of insanity is doing what we've always done, but yet expecting to get something different. And, and he's like, you're only a few days away from financial devastation. If anything in your life happens at all, whether it's with your car, your health, your home, anything. And he goes to get something different. You got to do something different. I said, I don't have a lot of time. I've got kids. You know, what's interesting is sometimes we use our kids as a reason. Sometimes we use them as an excuse for those that have children. Right. And we say it like it's a disease, you know, we're scratching going, I got the kids, you know, it's <laughs> you know, no, the kids, they were my reason. But at that point I was using them as an excuse. And then I go, let me think about it, which was code for, let me call my broke friends and family and ask them their opinion, which who cares? They're broke. And if I buy their opinion, I buy their lifestyle. So what happened was, thank God I had someone in my life that was willing to tell me what I needed to hear and not what I wanted to hear, which, I, which, which was a huge turning point for me, realizing that your associations work harder on you and me than we work on them. Like, show me your closest friends, I'll show you your future. And they're like an elevator. They lift us up or they bring us down. So I had to ask myself, what are my friends doing to me or my associations doing to me or for me. So I went to that event. I sat on the back row. I hid my car because they were trying to repossess it. They found it when I got back, by the way. <laughs> and so I was on the back row and I was having a pity party for myself. I was like, you know what? They must come from a big city. I live in a small town. Mm. They must have a college education. I have a lack of education. They must be great public speakers. I'll pass out in front of five people. If you put <laughs> me in front of five people that I know, I'll pass out. Now, if you would have told me years later, I would be in front of, you know, convention centers of 25,000 people speaking, I would have said, you've lost your mind, right? But here's what changed everything, because I felt like I couldn't do what all these other people were doing. And when I heard one of the speakers say, look, can you get a little bit better today than you were yesterday? I'm like, well, yeah, I can do that. Well, can you read 10 pages out of a good book today? And I'm like, well, I may have to read it multiple times because my mind wanders, true story. And if I read 10 pages, I'm thinking about something else through nine of them and I have to reread it. <laughs> true story, Ian, you'll think this is, you probably think I'm joking with this, but it's true. You can ask my wife. 
I bought a speed reading book years ago and still have not finished it. <laughs> That's sad, right? So when I, you know, 10 pages out of a good book a day is about a book a month. Most people don't read a book a year when they graduate high school. So in 10 years, that means that I would have read 100 and most people hadn't read 10. That little compounding effect, doing the things on a daily basis that seem to make no difference at all in the act of doing them that compound over a period of time. You know, can you listen to 15 minutes of an audio program, you know, a day, like your podcast where you give an amazing value, right? And, and, it's, and it's free. People can jump on and listen for free, and it's amazing. I didn't have that at that time. I had to search it out. I had to buy books. You know, I had to, to, to drive hours to seminars. And so that, that was kind of the turning point of me. It wasn't overnight. It wasn't a switch. It was the gradual little things on a daily basis, good or bad. So in other words, if I go out and, you know, I eat a bunch of a half a gallon of ice cream and a bag of potato chips and, you know, a few other things today, it's not really going to affect my health. Right? I'm not going to look in the mirror tomorrow and go, whoa, what just happened? But over a period of time, I'm digging a grave with my teeth. Mm. You know, I'm doing I'm, that bad or good compounds. So when I learned, just focus on how can I get a little bit better today than I was yesterday, that's when things started to turn around. It's so, first of all, I love that digging a grave with your teeth. Damn, that's some powerful stuff. It's so interesting how inspiration goes hand in hand with action. It's like, for example, it's 9.17 a.m. my time. I couldn't sleep very well last night. Definitely felt pretty groggy this morning. Was a little bit like, eh. I'm sure people can relate. But once I got on this podcast and I'm five, 10 minutes into this with Darren, I feel alive. I feel electric. It's like Darren just made everything in my body that was groggy before all these like thought processes go away and focus on taking action. And it's so interesting that you need to be inspired to do that. You need to surround yourself with the right people, feed your brain with the right information to even unlock the ability to be able to start crushing the day. And you've become an expert at teaching people how to unlock that secret inside of them, which I think, you know, obviously doesn't happen overnight. It comes with so much experience. Well, I appreciate that. You know, and Ian, that's one thing before you and I met, um, that's what everyone had to say about you. They're like, man, Ian's got so, such great energy and he's so positive and he's just, you know, He's doing amazing things in the business world, and that's why I, I couldn't wait to connect with you. But it's so true. If we wait till we feel like we're ready, you know, it's never going to happen. Emerson, Emerson said, do the thing, have the power. He didn't say wait for the power and then go do the thing. So motion creates emotion. Act the way you want to feel, and soon you'll feel the way you act. I'm the same way. Very rarely do I feel like, hey, let's just go do this. But once you get in and you start focusing on profit-producing activities, and you put the right stuff in your mind. I'll give you an example. And this took me years to learn this. And I really started implementing this the last couple years when I've had some you know, major challenges, health challenges and things like that we can talk about. But I've learned that at first we create our rituals and our habits and then our habits create us. And I knew that, but I've, I've learned a couple different things over the last couple of years. What we think about, we bring about, it's true. And, and, and it's funny you mentioned Dr. Joe Dispenza. I have listened and watched his content, some of his videos probably 50 times, one single video. And if you remind me, I'll give you the, the magic ingredient that a billionaire taught me. But with, with Joe Dispenza, so what I've learned is in the morning when I get up, especially what we're going through right now, there's a lot of, there's, there's challenging times going on right now. And when I went through my bankruptcy and couldn't feed my family and was depressed and didn't want to get out of bed and felt like a failure as a man and a husband, and had little to no hope, if anyone would have told me during that time, hey, Darren, this is one of the best things that ever happened to you, I would have not taken it very well. <laughs> but looking back, it was one of the best things that ever happened to me because it's not the easy times that make us grow. We don't grow in easy times. So it's up to us. Like what we're going through right now, the world with this pandemic, it can make us bitter or better. We can use it as a stumbling block or a building block. Depending on our perspective, it can make, or, make us or break us. So I was telling a friend of mine the other day, he has a traditional business. And I'm like, listen, man, this can be, depending on the way we look at it, this could be one of the best things that ever happened to us. And he's like, what makes you say that? And I go, well, it's our perspective. It's the questions that we're asking ourselves. Our life, quality of our life is determined by the quality of the questions we ask ourselves. So if we ask ourselves, hey, listen, you know, what can we do, do during these times 
to add more value, to help more people. I go, we can be more resourceful than we've ever been in our life, more creative. And I go, you will find that maybe your traditional business continued to do that slow, steady growth that you've had for the last several years and you built an awesome business. I go, but what would happen is now it's forcing you to get out of your comfort zone. It's going to force you to look at things from a different way. And if we do the right things, you can look back and go, you know what? That was the best thing that ever happened to me because I didn't just go through it. I grew through it. And if that hadn't happened, I never would have done the things that I've, I've done for me. If I hadn't been through what I went through when I was bankrupt, it never would have forced me to get out of, get out of my comfort zone and be more resourceful and more creative and, and seek out different people to associate myself with. So it's not the easy times that make us grow. <clears throat> and as we're going through all of this right now, like we can, I've got a friend of mine who co-authored Chicken Soup for the Entrepreneurial Soul. And I remember this has been back in the 2000s when we were going through, it was 2007, 2008. And I was panicking, right? All the, all the crazy stuff that was happening. And he's like, Darren, the biggest transfer of wealth happens during a recession, during a depression, during a war, and now we can add a pandemic you know, because of what we just talked about. Having the right perspective, asking the right questions, looking for new ways to serve people, looking for new ways to solve problems. You know, So I think that we can use these times to really make a positive impact in the world, our business, our families, and so on and so forth. That's, that's so great. I'm glad that you brought up about the the biggest change of wealth happens during a recession or a world, world war. Cause it's kind of like, I like thinking about it as a race. There's a hundred people lined up and the gun goes off and 95 people jump down on the floor, put their hands over their heads and they don't walk forward because mm -hmm. they're in a recession. While the five that are just running and running and running, they're just not caring that they're in a recession and they're just moving forward. It's almost like this time that handicaps a large majority of people mentally while everyone else goes and takes action. But obviously, the, the, I don't want to be ignorant to the fact that no matter what, like there are people right now inside of a recession that are working, say, hourly jobs, and they're just making ends meet currently, and they are just out of work, and that, is, that sucks. It, it's tough for them. They're not able to work from home. They might not have a good home environment. But at the same time, no matter where you are, it has to feed where you're going. You should appreciate the down part, which is so hard to even understand. Like I, I struggle with that all the time. I'm sure everyone does too. Just like when you're having a bad day, when you have health challenges, when you go through, you know, the ups and downs of relationship troubles, you just get so caught up in your day to day. And then you meet somebody that survived three bouts of cancer, has two legs and one arm, you know, they're missing a limb and they're sitting there smiling and they're looking at you and you're looking at them and you're just like, how do you do what you do? But the human brain is so powerful and I'm so excited to continuously unlock that and learn more about myself and make myself happier just by feeding myself the right information, which is why I hang out with people like you, Darren. But yo, I want to go through the story that you told me, which is absolutely bonkers. And it's the story with your health. And you had this crazy thing happen to you and a scary operation. One of those things that is a straight horror story. Can you walk us through kind of the, the beginnings of that? Absolutely. And if you don't mind, I will mention something real quick on what you just talked about, the challenging times. Like for those that are, I mean, this is what, this is what drives me is being able to help some of you right now that feel like, man, what, what do I do? You know, I have no job. I have no money to go start a, a business. I have all of these things, right? Think about why you're doing why you want to have a better, better life. And, and let me give you an example. The day that was the turning point for me was when we had this big Coca-Cola plastic piggy bank and we were throwing change in the piggy bank, telling my oldest daughter, someday we'll go to Disney World. Right? So growing up, we never had money. Only time we went on vacation was once or twice when a family member paid for our family to go on vacation because we had no money, right? And so I remember, you know, someday we'll go, go to Disney World. Well, my dad passed away 10 years ago saying someday. Some people, someday, some people, some days are other people's every days. And someday leads to a town called nowhere. So here I was telling my daughter, someday we'll go do this, someday we'll go do that. And then one day she walks in and that Coca-Cola plastic piggy bank, I had it on the floor, going through it, getting changed just to find enough to try to get us some food. And she runs out of the room crying and, you know, because daddy has taken her money for Disney World. 
And that was the day I go, you know what? I remember being on my hands and knees going, God, how can I get this loan? To the point I'm taking money from my kid's piggy bank. And I go, I've had it. And I go, I will until. And I went up to my office, which is just a room, a bedroom with no furniture. And I put on the wall, I will until. And then a mentor of mine, a friend of mine said, Darren, you know success is buried right underneath frustration, right? And I'm like, well, I have to be close because I can't get any more frustrated. So every time I felt like quitting, I would rewind that through my mind and go, you know what? Other people can quit on their family. I refuse to quit on mine. Like I've had it. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. And sometimes we have to get to that point, you know, where it hurts bad enough. I mean, we all know friends and family. We love them. We care about them, but they won't participate in their own rescue. You know, you throw them the life jacket, they don't even grab it. And so it's really important. It's like the farmer that had the dog. He, he was rocking on, in a rocking chair, and, and this guy's walking by, his neighbor, and says, hey, mister, your dog is laying on a nail. And he goes, don't worry about it. When it hurts bad enough, he'll move. Well, some, this, this nail that we're laying on right now, it's going to hurt bad enough for quite a few of us to the point where we go, you know what? I never want to be in this situation ever again. And we're going to use that to drive us. So just think about why you're doing the business or why, why you want to have your own business, why you want to get into a different place, why you want to have a plan B, why you want to fight through these challenging times and not give up and not give in. And your why eventually needs to be, you know, strong enough to make you cry. And, you know, Ian, you were talking about Dr. Joe Dispenza, the late billionaire, Paul J. Meyer. He was a mentor of mine for over a decade. This guy gave away hundreds of millions to charity. He paid for over a thousand kids a year to go to college. One of the most amazing people I've ever met in my life. And I remember him sharing with us like you, 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 where your energy goes, where your focus goes, your energy flows. And Dr. Joe Dispenza says your brain doesn't know the difference in reality when you tell it. So it's very important you visualize, you dream, you set your goals and you think about what you really want. And when Paul Meyer, the billionaire, used to say, hey, look, you magnetize the condition you seek. What you think about, you truly do bring about, right? You, you, what you focus on grows, the problem or the solution. So he would, he would give me all of these sayings that I knew worked because his life was proof of that, but I really didn't understand why it worked. Well, when I started listening to Joe Dispenza, I was like, oh my gosh, now they have a science to back it up. We have a reticular activating system. Like we have, a, we have a filter in our mind that allows things in to serve our goals and blocks things out that don't serve our goals. So you're, and your brain wants to be right. So you have to tell it what you want. So that's when I started realizing, I mean, all this stuff is coming together. Like your, your brain is designed to block most of the stuff out because it would drive us crazy if you're sitting in a coffee shop and you took in everything. So, you know, but... But when you tell your brain what you want, all of a sudden you buy that car and you never noticed how many cars were like that on the road until you bought it. They were there before, but it was the awareness. And it's like Tony Robbins. I was at an event and, and he goes, close your eyes. When you open them, look for everything that whatever color it was, red. And so we go. And so we're opening our eyes and we're counting everything that we could count that was red. And he goes, close your eyes. How many blue things did you see? And we're all going, you didn't tell us to look for blue. That's the way your brain works, right? So instead of going, I can't afford it, and your brain wants to be right, so it goes from your subconscious mind, throws into your conscious mind, here are all the reasons that you can't afford it. Why not go, how can I afford it? So it's very important to be crystal clear on setting your goals, knowing why. If you know why, the how-tos will work themselves out. And I remember Paul Meyer going, do a dream board. And I'm like, why would I do a dream board? I'm not in kindergarten. And, and he goes, you have to see it here in your mind before you ever see it in reality. What you think about, you truly do bring about. And I'm like, what thou seest, thou beest. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. It's his private jet that I flew in, not mine. He's the, one, he's the one that has 40 companies in 60 countries and billions of dollars, not me. And I'm going to do a dream board because your brain doesn't know the difference of reality and what you tell it. And we move in the direction of our expectations and the things that we're comfortable with. So that's what helped me stay strong enough, long enough when I was going through those challenges. And, and I remember laying in bed at night and visualizing a better life for my family and having tears run down my cheeks. And not only visualize your goals, but also visualize how you will feel when you achieve those goals. 
and you will be amazed, be amazed. It is what you seek starts to seek you. You do magnetize the condition that you seek. So sorry, Ian, but I want to make sure I hit on a little bit of that because I think it's so important for those right now that are going through challenging times and you, and you feel like you have no hope. And, and what I also learned is obstacles lead to elevation. Without obstacles, there is no elevation. So even though right now your story is a story that will inspire and motivate people to go out and change their life. You're writing chapters in your book. And during those challenging times, and like you said, the last couple of years, um, it was not this past December, but two Decembers ago, I had surgery for a hiatal hernia and heartburn. Okay, so I had that in December, and that went great. But Wait, can you I, explain what that is, like a hiatal hernia? Yeah, it's... I guess a lot of people have them, but most of the time, you know, you can, you, you can lift weights or do things like that. And it just, um, I don't even know what the definition, but uh, it's, it's where, um, I don't know the definition of it, but a lot of times if you lift weights or something like that, you can have a hiatal hernia. Got it. Even if you don't lift weights, the older we get, a lot of people have them. And a lot of times it doesn't affect anything. Mm. Right. But for me, it was affecting to the point where I was having heartburn. Got it. And medicine wasn't working. And so we ended up having to have that surgery, which went amazing. They repaired the hiatal hernia and fixed, you know, where I didn't have heartburn anymore with this. It was a new device. It was amazing. But then fast forward from December to April and my blood pressure had been going up for no reason for several, you know, several months. And um, I'll, I'll make the story short. I was going to the restaurant, going to the bathroom at like two o'clock in the morning. My wife had put a bean bag at the end of her bed for the Yorkie. So he wouldn't jump off the bed and hurt his little legs. And the, I tripped on the beanbag and landed on my back on a bedpost and thought I broke my back. And, you know, I'm like, what, what are the odds of that happening? Now, looking back, I think it was a God thing. If it hadn't happened, I probably, it could have killed me. Because what it did when I landed on my back on my right side, which is the same side as your appendix, the next day I started having horrific pain. My fever went to 103. And I ended up, I had a podcast to do that afternoon. And I'm like, I do not want to let, you know, this guy down. And so I don't know how I made it. I don't even remember the day. Um, I just laid in the bed until it was time for the podcast. I don't remember what I said on the podcast, the interview. I'm scared to even go back and watch it. <laughs> and as soon as that was done, my wife put me in the car. I barely could walk to the car, took me to urgent care. They threw me in a rescue squad, took me to the hospital, had emergency surgery that night. And what happened, my appendix were had turned gangrene so they it, it, my appendix had died and was leaking into my body and i was being poisoned basically. how did they how do they know that like what did they when you show up to urgent care like what are they looking at to realize like oh shit this is a serious thing let's throw them in the car well what's interesting was when i went to urgent care i don't know what they saw i guess my blood pressure was so high and my fever was so high that they knew something terrible was wrong. So they took me to the hospital and they gave, and I went through a CAT scan. Got it. And that's where they saw that I had appendicitis mm. and they didn't know it was leaking until after I had surgery the next day, I'm in horrific pain. And then finally a day or two later, and I'm supposed to go home like the next day. And so uh, the day later, they're like, man, you shouldn't be having this much pain. You still shouldn't have a fever. That's when they found out from the lab reports that my appendix were gangrene and had been leaking into my body. So I ended up in the hospital. I had an abscess the size of an orange full of gangrene and which that alone can kill you. And it took them a while to find that. I, uh, my stomach shut down for an entire week. Couldn't eat or drink for an entire week. I was so on feeding tubes. Um, <clears throat> really just wasn't eating and yeah. IV for, for fluids, but just no food. Yeah. And, just... you know, yeah. And, and I was on oxygen at one point. I couldn't get out of bed to even go to the restroom without help. Um, I went from about 200 pounds. When I got out of the hospital, I was about 170. You know what I mean? And I was working out five days a week the week before. And here I was, couldn't get out of the, the bed by myself. Um, I had an IV infiltration. So where the IV was put in my arm, it got infected. And so the doctor walked in and said, hey, look, man, we may have to. This guy was a, a military doctor. He was a little rough around the edges, but he was amazing. He's like, we may have to cut your vein out like a drug addict. And I'm like, what? And he's like, if we can't get this under control, I don't want you losing your arm. And so I had an IV infiltration. I had a, an allergic reaction to a medication. That was bad. What do they do for an IV infiltration? Um, what he ended up doing, they had to 
started giving me high powered like antibiotics. So even when I got to the hospital after 13 days, I was going back to the hospital every day for IVs, you know, antibiotics for another couple of weeks. Got it. Yeah. So it was, it was, it was crazy, man. It was, um, and then it took me several months to really recover from that because even riding in a car, when I hit a bump, it hurt, you know, from all the incisions and stuff. So what, what's going through your brain during that? You're out in the hospital bed. I mean, are you terrified or are you sitting there like, I got this, I got this? You know what? I don't think I knew how, I mean, I knew how bad, I knew how bad the pain was. I knew, I don't think I, I knew how, how bad it was. Like I, I, I had a feeling it was probably pretty rough, but I mean, I had other people going to the doctors going, listen, he's dying and you're not moving fast enough. Like you, you've got to act now. Like it, it was, it was bad, <laughs> but I mean, I, I'm a fighter, you know, I've done martial arts my whole life. I'm, I'm pretty tough. And that's what they were telling. I had some people that came in and go, listen, you don't understand. This is a tough, this is a pretty tough dude and can't even get out of the bed. Like something's wrong before they found out like all the things that were really wrong. Got it. It's interesting because statistically speaking, five out of 10 of us are going to go through some crazy health issues at some point in our life. It's going to happen. And being prepared and being an action taker when the shit hits the fan is so crucial just to be able to make those moves. I mean, your life can change overnight and you don't really know what's going to happen. All you can do is best prepare yourself for when the, when the shit hits the fan that you're ready to, to move and ready to improve. I mean, everything that, everything that you did is like so scary. But at the same time, you took action, you made moves, you got to the right hospital, you got to the right stuff, you listened to the professionals, and you thought positive. And now this experience is something that you can reflect on the rest of your life. Yeah, and, there, and there's people that said, hey, Darren, there's, there's people that go through what you went through that don't live. So I think what helped me, I mean, I'm 47, so I'm not, I'm not as young as you, but I, I work out. I eat healthy 80% of the time. You know, so I get, get the rest, get the exercise get the nutrition. So if I hadn't have done those things, you know, and learned how powerful your attitude, you know, and your mindset is when you go through these things, I may not have made it. So I think that's just a lesson for everyone to go, Hey, listen, you know, right now going through the crazy times that we're going through, you know, eat the right nutrition, get your rest, exercise, do the things to build your immune system so that you're able to fight if you need to fight. Yeah. A lot of people aren't in that position. But I think people just don't take it seriously until they get a wake-up call. And unfortunately, a wake-up call is sometimes what you need. No matter what, you just can't convince somebody that is super healthy, has the world going to them, that it's going to hit the fan, right? Corona, it's all fun and games until you get it, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. I mean, like this, I mean, one, like I said, the week before, five days a week working out, loving life. All of a sudden, you know, the, the next week in a hospital bed on oxygen, can't eat, stomach shut down, IV infiltration, abscess the size of an orange. So yeah, that can definitely, you know, learn from my experience. <laughs> Don't wait until you, you get in that situation. Do everything you possibly can to take care of your body. And that's, that's another tip the billionaire gave me. He goes, listen, dear, most people, they sacrifice their health, the first part of their life to gain wealth. And then the second part of their life, they spend their wealth trying to get back their health. He goes, Don't make that mistake. So looking into the current state of the economy and what's going on with the, the coronavirus and this recession that we're in and this pandemic, I think I saw a stat that for every, and this, this is just something I heard, this might not be stats, but for every 1% of unemployment goes up, there's 40,000 more deaths throughout the United States or something along those lines. And as unemployment increases, you know, people are going through more extremes. They're, they're losing their life and their just overall sanity. What do you think First of all, how long do you think this is going to last and, and just and things that you've checked out? And, and what do you think the impact is, is going to have on the world post-corona? Um, I don't know if anybody really knows at this point, but it's like Les Brown said, it's not so much what happens around, around us as what happens within us. And so what happened with me is I've learned you can't, you, you have to think about what you're thinking about and you have to focus on the right things and focus on what you can do, not what you can't do. Right, so focus on where you're going, not where you've been. Don't look back unless you want to go that way. So for me, what I've done, and this is where I was going earlier, just, just shows you I have ADD, ADHD, ADT, I got them all. <laughs> Squirrel. 
But what I've learned is that if I can control the beginning of my day and the end of the day, I can, I can, I can handle what's happening in the middle of the day a lot more. And at first we create our habits and our rituals, then they create us. So what I do, knowing we don't know what's going to happen, we don't know how long it's going to go. We do know it's going to pass, and this too shall pass. Either, you know, Rick Warren, who wrote The Purpose Driven Life, says we're either in a storm, going out of a storm, or getting ready to go into a storm. That's life. So we know it's going to pass. It's absolutely going to pass. And right now we have the opportunity to make the best out of it. Like if we're not growing and we don't learn new skills and we're not – you know, getting ahead of the masses right now. It's not that we don't have the time. We're just not disciplined. We're not, we're saying it's not a priority. So for me, what I do is in the morning, I get up, I don't turn on CNN, constant negative news. I don't turn on bad morning America. I don't go straight to my phone. What I've learned is I go straight, hit the restroom really quick, go sit in my chair, and then I meditate. So I have a meditation, I pray. And for me, not everybody believes what I believe. It's okay, but I, have, I do my devotions. And then when I go get ready, you know, so I'm taking a shower, fixing my hair, all that fun stuff, right? Then what I do is I put on a YouTube, and a lot of times for me, I'm listening to Rick Warren or I'm listening to somebody like that, but it's all positive. Maybe it's a podcast like yours, you know, whatever it may be. So the first hour to two hours of my day, my, there's, there's no room for a negative thought. Like one ounce of doubt, you're out. One, you know, one negative, it's like when you're talking to people. This is why sometimes you have to tell your friends, be positive or be quiet. Right, take a checkup from your, your neck up, because one negative comment is 17 times more powerful than, than than a positive. I think that was James Allen as a man thinking. I think that's where that came from. And so what happens is you know you can't have a negative and a positive thought at the same time. So when I'm flooding my mind with positivity in the morning, and I've learned to have an attitude of gratitude, which being in the hospital that's what it taught me. Instead of me going, man, I have to go work out. You know what, man? Thank God I can go work out. I'm blessed to be able to work out. Like right now I'm going, man, I'm thankful for my family. I'm thankful for my health. I'm thankful for food to eat. I'm thankful for clean water. I'm thankful for the opportunity to take walks outside in the middle of the day. You know I mean? There's so much to be thankful for. So I start out my day with an attitude of gratitude. I flood my mind with the right thoughts, the, you know, the right content. And then as I'm going throughout the day, a lot of times I'll have things like a podcast going in the background. And, and what will happen is your subconscious mind is always recording. So I'm just flooding my mind with the right thoughts. Then at the end of the day, what you listen to, what you read, what you think about before you go to bed, you marinate on for the next six to eight hours while you're sleeping. So if I can control the beginning of the day and the end of the day, I can handle what happens throughout the middle of the day a lot better. So I don't know how long it's going to go to answer your question. I don't know what the effect is gonna, it's going to have on our world. We know that things are going to change. But what, I, what I'm focused on is what can I do to grow through these times, get better, learn new skills. And as a business person, we get paid based on the problems that we solve and the value that we bring to the marketplace. So what are the problems and the challenges that people are facing right now that we can help solve? And Love that. It's so interesting because... They're, being in the podcast world, I, I truly believe everyone should have a podcast. They should have, if they're not doing a podcast, they should be doing Facebook Lives. They should be doing something that forces them to interact with people that are at a high caliber of level at the interest that you have. So if you're into marine biology, you should be reaching out to the top marine biologists in the world and just trying to have a chat. If you want to build a company, you should be connecting with entrepreneurs that have done it and have a chat. These chats are going to impact the way you think. They're going to motivate you to grow. They're going to keep you aligned with the direction you want to take. Everything we're talking about with all this negative stuff, people that are in the, in the poop hole and can't get themselves out, there are people that I've talked to, countless people, that within six months to two years completely change their life. I mean, you can literally, within one year, change everything. Your bank account can be skyrocketing, your family, your love life, your health, everything can change. And if you meet enough people and you see it, you just start to believe it. It's like if you see the man walk when he's been in the wheelchair his whole life, you believe it. That's what's crazy about Dr. Joe, like what goes on to his events. I have a good friend. Anton, who actually does social media for Dr. Joe. Um, so like I get the you know, inside scoops on some of those videos and, and just the powerful what's happening. But one thing I want to I ask you is kind of a staple on the show is if you could go back and you could ask yourself maybe at 20, for you, it would probably make sense at 25. When you're at that lowest point and you could have just said to yourself, 
you know, listen, Darren, this is Darren two decades later. I got five minutes, bro. I need it. And you could have told yourself one, two or three things that could have saved you a ton of time, money, headache, personal growth. And a great reason is I wouldn't have told myself anything because experiences are what make us, but we're not going to take that. That doesn't count for this. What are three things that you might've told yourself that would have helped? Well, I think now knowing the importance of what you put in your mind, what you read, what you listen to is so crucial. Like why would I spend my whole life trying to figure out what to do right? Like you're crushing it with a podcast, right? So why would I spend the next, how long have you been doing podcasts? About two years. Two years. Okay. And then you studied them several years before that, correct? A hundred percent. Okay. So why would I spend the next four or five years trying to figure out what to do right? When I can go buy your course, learn from what took you four or five years or more to learn countless hours, energy, effort, money, resources, hiring the right coaches. And how do you develop a course? How do you market a course? Why not just go buy your course and shave years off my learning curve? So if I had, if I could go back, I would say, man, consume as much content as you possibly can. What you read, what you listen to be very intentional about your associations. That's everything. You know, you become who you hang around good or bad. And, and so be very intentional about, I would have been more intentional than I was at an earlier age. And then I think the last thing is I would have extreme urgency, you know, success compression, all AOMA, AOMA, all out massive activity. I would have probably told myself, hey, listen, it's easier to build fast than it is to build slow. So just go out there and take more chances. Don't worry about failing. Fail forward. Fail faster. You know, those are some of the tips I would give myself for sure. You said success compression. Success compression. <laughs> what normally you, would have taken me, what normally would have taken me, let's say, you know, two years, why not do it in the next six months? Just do that much activity in the next six months because I believe it's easier to to build fast than it is to build slow. You know, and and, and when I had franchises and different things, even then, you know, I had a had a franchise and I didn't want to wait six months. I didn't want to wait a year to open that first franchise because I knew I had a limited window to capitalize on the new frozen yogurt craze. And so it was a shutdown Quiznos. It was two hours and a half from my home, two and a half hours from my home. And I went out every single day driving back and forth. And in 42 days, it went from being a shutdown Quiznos to a totally remodeled operational, you know, yogurt franchise that did about a hundred grand the first 30 days with no advertising whatsoever. So what, what normally would take people, they go, we've never seen anybody do that before here, but think about it one month at a hundred grand. So if I would have taken six months longer, or, or if I would have taken six to 12 months, like everybody else was taking, look at how much money would I, I would have lost. So I believe a lot of times we can learn faster we can fail forward you know, and we can have that success compression. I love it, man. First of all, your one-liner game is legendary. <laughs> you have a great brain bank of all these like uh, amazing just proverbs. I love it. Well, but thanks. man, if you could go to that one person that's right on the fence of jumping into say entrepreneurship for the first time, maybe that'd be uh, starting their own business, getting that LLC started, jumping into direct sales, and they're right on the fence and, and they just are they, they want to do it, but they're scared. There's a lot of things holding them back, you know, very valuable, normal and understandable reasons. What would you say to that person to kind of help push them towards what they want to do already? A um, couple things. One, I would say <clears throat> really think about, and I know I keep talking about the billionaire because he impacted my life so much. Um, the late billionaire, Paul J. Meyer, but I remember him saying, take off your judge's robe. And if you sat down and I want you to write hundreds just, just write down, if, you, if money and time were not, a, they weren't an issue, what would your goals be? Like, where would you travel? What would you buy? Who would you help? You know, and, and just do that. So what happens, you start to ignite that dream machine. So really think about, first of all, why you want to do anything. Your why is what helps you stay strong enough, long enough. That pulls you out of your comfort zone. If you wait till you feel like you're ready, you're never going to be ready, period. Right? That's, that's why Emerson said, do the thing, have the power, not wait for the power, go do the thing. So really spend some time. And you and I listen to Joe Dispenza. You know, that's why, for example, on my computer, I have a screensaver of my goals, like a dream board on my computer, a dream, you know, on my screensaver on my phone. 
because we check our phone an average two to 400 times a day. And I want that subconscious always seeing my goals and focus on where I'm going, not where I've been. So I would absolutely spend some time thinking about why you're doing it. And if now's not the right time, when is there ever going to be a better time? Like now's the best time ever. There, there's never the right time. And then I'll give you some advice that a friend of mine, this person, they went to prison and, and they use their story to motivate and inspire people all over the world. And they, and I don't even know the whole reason why they went to prison. It was something with a business and whatever. But when they got out, they went to a friend and they're like, look, I'm terrified. I'm petrified. And like, what? For some reason, I'm just terrified of having to live under a bridge. Like that's my worst nightmare. And, and then this person, this mentor of, of them said, well, let me ask you a question. Would that happen? Well, no, I've got some friends of mine that would allow me to live with them. If it ever got really bad, you know, now that I'm out of prison, well, now that you know, can you live with that? Could you live with having to live with a friend or family member? Well, yeah, I can live with that. Okay, now that you know you can live with the worst case scenario, now you do everything in your power to make sure it never happens. And she went out and became a multi-million dollar a year earner and has an amazing life and that never happened, right? And so those are some things I would, I would work on your why, work on your dream board, get your family involved. You know, if you get your family involved like, like I did, and then, then you have that support, which is really, really helpful as well. And then think about it, what's the worst case scenario. You know, when I went to the point where I was bankrupt and we were going to lose our house, I'm like, you know what? If we lose our house, can I live with that? Yeah, we can live with that. We have to go move in with my mother-in-law. You know, I don't, I don't, I would enjoy that, but I can live with it. And when I did that, I'm like, now I'm going to do everything in my power. The day before they foreclosed on my house, the day before I had enough money deposited to save the house. And now that story is what made me a lot of money over the last 20 years because that inspired and motivated people going, man, if Darren can do it, I can do it too. Damn, Darren. I love that answer, man. I've heard a lot of those answers and that one was just so novel and new. I appreciate that. I appreciate your words. I'm so grateful that we've connected through this medium and, and that we have mutual friends. And I'm just honestly, our whole audience, on behalf of the Len Jones Party of Two audience, we are very grateful uh, for you to be coming on the show. How can people follow you? How can people continue to get more Darren in their life? And you know, I know you're talking to Les Brown right after this. I'm sure they're going to want to hear that as well. So where, where would people go to follow you? They can go to DarrenKid.com, which is spelled a little bit, my name is spelled weird. It's D-A-R-I-N-K-I-D-D.com. So DarrenKid.com, they can connect with me on there. And, and recently I went from the franchise world. I sold all my franchises. Um, I was a distributor network marketing for 28 years. I'm no longer distributor network marketing, but I was very blessed to have success, you know, as an entrepreneur in the network marketing. And so now I'm speaking, coaching, training, developing courses, but it's, you know, I've only started doing that the last few months. So you're going to see a lot of new things, you know, uh, uh, coming out. But we're going to put it all on the website. And, uh, but Ian, man, I appreciate the opportunity. I've heard nothing but amazing things about you. And, and I know why. And uh, excited to, you know, continue to plug into your podcast, learn from you and all your great guest speakers. And anything else I can do for you, please let me know. We appreciate it, man. Round two is coming in the future, y'all. All right. Take care, man. All right. You too. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to another episode of Len Jones Party of Two. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a review and subscribe to stay up to date on our new episodes. And remember, hope is not a strategy. Keep making moves. Till next time, peace.